Howdy, everybody. And shalom to my main man, Robert. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, Anti-Wave it is. Yeah. How you doing there, Ira? Robert. Hey, it's just the two of us, man. You look refreshed, man. Refreshed? Yeah. I do? Yeah, your dick looks clean and everything else. You know I haven't taken a shower in three days. Just a saliva shower. (laughs) A cat. There's a cat. No Uh, hot water. No hot water. Can I shower here? Yeah. Yeah? Why no hot water? Uh, Because the hot water heater broke. So, and that happened, of course, on a Saturday morning. So they get the supplies and that to put us through Saturday and Sunday. And they're saying they think they can have it ready on Monday, if not Tuesday for sure. Look how we depend on these things. Wow. So I was hoping that we could take a bath together here because producer Joey isn't here. Yeah. Is she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bath, you know Got to keep not clean. around. While well, the cat's away, the mic's away. <laughs> and that is gay. Uh, <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about Icarus. Yeah, you're pronouncing it right. Yeah. Or Icarus. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> Icarus, the, the guy who flew too close to the sun. You knew that. Of course. Robert. Oh, come on. I goop. It's a documentary, we should you say, didn't about know that? doping. I did not know. I was curious about why is it called that? Oh. And so I did some research last night. We'll talk about that when we And we will talk movie. about that. But you're right. I love how you know these references. Of course. Yeah. And then, uh, what else? What's our top five? Our top five is top five sports documentaries. And this is coming from someone who hates sports, just I, for the record. I, I, I love I that you hate sports, sports and we did yeah. a sports movie. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first of all, tell us more about your hot water. Yeah, so I'll have hot water on Monday or Tuesday. So I've been going around to different um, people's homes asking if I can bathe there. Strangers, right? Oh, yeah, just knocking on doors. Hi, I'm Hello. Ira. Hello. Yeah, I need a shower, and I have a towel in one hand and a bar of soap in the other. <laughs> you <use> soap? <laughs> Could have fooled me. Uh, so... Uh, what was the problem? Did you say hot water? It was on its last legs. Everybody's it, saying it's going to go. Is soon. it a, a water heater for the entire complex? Yeah, the whole building. It's not so just it's a commercial water. Yes, yeah, it's a big, okay. a big motherfucker, and it affects all of the people in my condo. And so I put up a sign: no hot water It'll be resolved. Hopefully Monday, if not Tuesday, for sure. And so um, it's amazing how we depend on these things, such as hot, on water. hot water. Yeah, 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 yeah. That. Telephone, internet, electricity. Well, as we learned earlier, uh, you know, from one of our earlier podcasts, we had a Moldovian guest who informed us that she would, you know, they would heat up water in like a little ba- tiny bathtub. So you could have done it like that. I could have, but I'm Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Sylvia would be so, so too, ashamed. Yeah. Too, too lazy to do that. Instead, I'd just rather bathe here with you. Wait, are you saying Jews are lazy? I mean, it's, I know they're evil. Okay, and right. I know they're taking over the world. <laughs> they're not else. handy. They're not handy people. You're not going to see a Jew with, Carpenter? A, t- with a tool belt. I think that was Jesus. <laughs> Other than Jesus, you're not going to see a jewel with a tool belt and, and just like a, a not drill. Not a tool belt. It's a, a jewel tool, belt. Tool, a jewel belt. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work. So instead of doing that, we hire people. I, I hurt hi- my we, thumb with yeah, the hammering yeah, yeah. and the nailing. We're not the most handy people. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see you build something. No, you wouldn't. I can't decide whether I'd love to see you build a table or a bookshelf or whether I would rather see you play tennis. Because both of those would be immensely fascinating to watch. If, yeah. you're, if your life depended on it, right? do you think you would have an easier time building from scratch? I mean, let's say you could buy wood at Home Depot, building a table and bookshelf or winning a tennis match against a... A, a, a player who knows the basics of tennis, but not building not a bookshelf. Really? Yes. 
I have a better chance of success to build a book. I mean, you're fucked either way, right? But. Yeah, either way, I'm fucked. But I had wood shop. Remember in middle school, they used to oh, have yeah. shops, and I had there was wood shop, electrical, electrical shop, electricity. Shop. There was a metal you, shop. You took those? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they made us. Shortly after, they stopped all that stuff, oh. unfortunately. But I actually built a bookshelf. Get I, out. No, I did. Yeah, my mom kept it. She was very proud of it. Look what my son made. And it was, just was it lopsided? Bizarre, cockeyed. <laughs> no, and she, I remember she went, that's very nice, dear. Are you going to put it on display, mom? Yes, in the garage. <laughs> yeah, it was put in a drawer. Wait, the bookshelf was put in the drawer? It was only this big. It was a corner bookshelf. What, l- so listeners it, can't hear what yeah, this, yeah, no. this big is. So it fit in the corner. So it was like a right angle. It was a 90 degrees thing. Uh-huh. And it just had two shelves. And I remember shellacking it. And I made it in mom's. It's very nice, dear. And so then the she said, I'm, I'm going to keep this, she said. And uh, we'll put it in this drawer. So we kept my bookshelf in a drawer. And I remember thinking, well, she liked it so much. Shouldn't be on the wall, mounted in the corner? nope (laughs) I'll put it in this drawer yeah yeah all right yeah it's very nice dear yeah yeah you also got back from uh, being overseas yeah Costa Rica yeah I was in Costa Rica for 14 years what was the ocean like did you uh, did you get out in the ocean the ocean is there an ocean there (laughs) yeah I don't know yeah yeah. How are the whores? Yeah. Ah, now we're talking. All right. Yeah. yeah, it was an interesting trip. And again, it was great to just get away for a few days with the guys and have dinners and talk and laugh. And I think that's like 80% of that trip, just to get away with the guys and stuff. Can San I ask Ho- you about the prostitutes? Yeah, Costa San Jose is a shithole of a city. Yeah? It's got, it's got nothing going for it. it we're talking it, about Northern California, right? Northern California. San Jose. San, do you know the way to San Jose? Do, do. Yeah, okay. Um, but it's a horrible city. And everyone says, oh my God, Costa Rica. Uh, you can go to the volcano. You, you can go to the coffee plantations. Mm-hmm. And you can go and look at the alligators and, and the cultural arts pavilion and all that stuff. And instead, it's just we stayed in a hotel that was a brothel. It was a whorehouse. And it was a, a huge complex, seven stories high, and the women are down there in the bar 24-7. Now, I, I've never been with a prostitute. Can I ask you? You've never been with a prostitute? No. I mean, just your sister, but I don't really count that. <laughs> when you're with a prostitute, first of all, how do, you, how, do you, how do you protect yourself from STDs? Oh, well, I don't have intercourse. You don't? And Get out. You no. do just come on their face, that's all. Are you being serious right now? Yeah. I mean, I've got... I don't know if you've seen this, Robert, but... <laughs> they dance for me. And I, have, <laughs> and I have an outfit that they wear. Do you know about this? You've told me about the you, shirt. Have you seen the, the yeah, Iris Fuck Doll? Yeah. So and you have them wear a shirt that says Iris I bring doll. the shirt with me. They gladly put it on. They don't know what it says. They don't speak English. And I have music. But they don't speak English? They don't speak English. They don't How do you negotiate probably with the, with the madam? All they do is hold up. No, there's no madam. There's no, there's no pimp. None of that stuff. It's either $70, $80, or $100. It's U.S. dollars. It's not in their own currency. And that's all the only thing they have to say to each other. They come up to my room, and I say... I will take photo, take photo, and I gesture like this as if I'm holding a camera, pushing down on the shutter. Okay, okay. And then I hold up the Iris Fuck Doll shirt, and they gladly put it on for me. I have them go in the bathroom, because I like the surprise when they walk out of the bathroom wearing it. 
This is so specific. I'm so fascinated I, I also, right now. I also bring not just the, but I also bring, well, they and have high heels. They have the high heels, so I don't have to bring those like I do when I go to Bangkok. But I do bring. They don't have high heels in Bangkok? They, well, no, I don't have to bring my own because the girls in Bangkok tend not to be dressed so provocatively as the ones who are in Costa Rica huh. in the bar. It's just the way it is. But I also bring brought a, a Catholic schoolgirl um, plaid skirt. So they wear that. They put on the Iris Fuck doll. They dance. I take pictures. I have a collection, at least 300 different women wearing that identical same shirt. We're talking. Do you watch that shirt? Yeah, we're talking. No, it's more fun if I don't. Oh my gosh, that's so gross. It's more fun if I don't. Kind of like me here right now. Not having, you know, showered no for a few water. days. No hot water. Yeah, right. no hot water. And so um, I was discussing this with my buddies at dinner. They were saying, you've got this incredible treasure of images. And originally treasure. Was, treasure. <laughs> it's a treasure. It's Iris treasure. And I said, well, I'm going to make a, a DVD. It'll be a DVD fired in rapid succession. Each image will be up there for about a third of a second shown on my on my 60 inch TV set. Boom, 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 boom. But then this other is guys a were saying. museum piece. Is I, it is. is. But then other people were saying. Or make it a photo album. Well, make uh, it like an a coffee album. table book. Yes, that's what I mean. A coffee table book. Uh, a good friend of mine, Fred Friedman, I think you know who he is. He's been again. And he has a coffee table book of all of his trips to Europe and so on. And they've got companies, as you know, you just send them the JPEGs and they lay it out very nicely bound in a coffee table book. And I think it'd be more visible that way if I kept it on the coffee table. Because if it's a DVD, really, how many times am I going to show it to people? How many times? Something about a coffee table book. And I was thinking about the name of this book. Hold, hold on, T. Okay. A few things. Number one, Fred's a pretty regular listener to the show. Yes, he is. I'm sure he's thrilled right now that you've brought his name into no, all No, but of I us. said that he does it with his trips to Europe. Right. With I his know, wife. I just, the so mere mention the ref- of his name right now, I'm sure <laughs> every hair on his neck is standing up going, please yeah. do not all drag right. me into this right. conversation. All right. Sorry, Fred. But, um, but again, my point was that he does it with beautiful photo albums of his trips to Europe. I'm doing the same thing with uh, Irish Your trips Fuck to Costa Rica. All yeah. right. Now, what's the name of the book? Well, I thought about the title. It's got literally, there's going to be about 300 different women. And should it be one on each page or it can be four on each page? I, I can do the mock-up any way I want. And these photo albums make it very easy for you to control that online. Then you send it off to them. And they're all trips. And I thought it should be how I spent my summer vacation, which actually is pretty fucking funny. But then I'm anal compulsive. And they're not all summer trips. Summer, winter. And I think, yeah, but I'm overthinking this. I'm overthinking this. I thought, how I spent my vacation? I give that a B. There's something about the cliche, how I spent my summer vacation, which is fucking funny, even though they're not all taken during the summer. Your thoughts? I think you should go through and only pick the summer pictures. Don't think that didn't cross my mind. (laughs) Don't think for a second I didn't consider that. so anal I am. I am. Wow, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So now wait, all right, you have them come in with the shirt and the skirt and they do your little dance, you take your pictures, mm-hmm. and then what? Well, then um, I usually start stroking my cock or something. They say how big I am. I'm tired of hearing that because a lot of women do because treat me as a sexual small. object and I'm tired of being objectified <laughs> and I want someone to like me for my mind. That's Just why, that's why you're going like to a me prostitute. for my mind for once. And, and there was this one girl I was dating about five years ago and she's always talking about my huge cock, you're hung like a horse. And I said, what do you like more, my cock or my mind? And she looked at me. And the fact that she paused and really had to think about it really bothered me. And it did bother me. I'm not being funny right now. I felt like I was an object to her. 
your I'm mind, a human your mind's being. never given me I'm an orgasm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She said, do I have to choose? That's what she said. All right, anyway. So, yeah, and then there's a relief, some type of an orgasm, uh, whether it's oral sex or just a hand job or something. But I'm obsessed with this book. But wh- I, I'm not done. I'm obsessed with what goes on inside the hotel room. We'll get to the book in a minute. We, so we, do you... We're supposed to talk about Do movies. you have sex with them? Define sex. Is it intercourse? Yes. No. Never? Mm-mm. Are you kidding? No, wait. I, that was are a you, pause. Are you kidding? I could get a disease. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you've never had intercourse with a prostitute? I don't believe that. I never said that, that no. Uh, these are my trips with the Iris Fuck Doll montage. But have I ever done it here in L.A.? Sure. Okay. In the 70s. In the 70s? Mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard. It was different then. So usually you just have them dance naked while you jerk off. And you know what? I like that a lot. Or they jerk me off. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I should have brought my pictures for you to see. Well, that's all right. Should it be a DVD or should it be a coffee table book? Or both. Maybe it should be both. Wow. I think you could... Uh, you could. I really think that you should find a museum that would be willing to host it. And you should just do a, an exhibit. Just take some pictures, put them into frames, and... Uh, you know, like Terry Richardson kind of photographs. Huh. Scantily clad. Yeah. A museum? You know, I was at a museum not too long ago, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, and I noticed, I was looking at a, a lot of artists, some of them weren't very talented, but they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And there's power in numbers. Even if it's shitty art, if you produce enough of it, Siren, take your, ah, fuck, leave your, leave your clothes on. <laughs> Uh, the Campbell soup can is that what you're referencing where we see that multiple images yeah but I think that that was trying to say something about the commercialism commercialism of art yeah Uh, but I think if you if you draw a stick figure not impressive if you draw 500 stick figures it's interesting if you draw 2,000 stick figures it's making a statement now it's starting it's starting to feel like a cohesive work yeah and uh, so it's like the more you do of it the, the more impressive it becomes so perhaps what you need to do is just print a shitload of them out. Print them in an odd size so it doesn't look like you just... Or, or cut them down to size or something so that uh, you just go to the Rite Aid and have them print okay. out a bunch. But don't, but don't put them up like, a, you know, four by six photographs because then it looks like you just went to Rite Aid. Right, right. Are you suggesting this is something that the consumer might want to purchase? No. It would just be interesting to oh, be okay. like an interesting museum yeah. purchase. Or museum. Uh, I see. So you're talking about a, a tapestry, a, yeah. a, a collage, if you will. Yeah. A montage of images. I, I don't think anyone wants to purchase your iris of <laughs> fucked all photographs. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe there's, there's plenty of people out there that really want to see that. How I Spent My Summer Vacation. <laughs> you kind of like that title, don't you? <laughs> the title's fine. It's just the, the it's idea pretty fucked of what's up. going on. I know. I know. It's not fucked up. It's, it oh, is. Well. It is fucked up. Is it? I mean, look, I don't know. I, prostitution should be legal, right? You of should course. do whatever the fuck you want. Sure. It's two consenting adults. If you want to spend money doing whatever it is that you want to do, do it. Yeah. And uh, I think people are right to feel the way that they feel about it. If, if uh, you know, the religious right wants to judge, let them judge. That's their right to do. And it's your right to go off and spend your money the way you want. But it's not the government's role to step in and tell you how you can and can't. Right. Right. And, and and that that's a shame that we can't allow people to do that in this day and age. Hence the trips to Costa Rica. Right. You know, it's legal there. Did you know that? It is legal. Costa Rica? Yeah. How, co- how come you don't go to like the Mustang Ranch in Nevada or something oh, like that? 
Yeah. How come you, you leave the country? It. I've never been there. Why not? I don't know. Yeah. Something about Costa Rica. Again, part of it is just going away and leaving the country and being with the guys and having dinners. And that is an important part of the trip. And as I'm getting older, as I am getting older, I'm finding that that dynamic, you're not, I think you will believe this, is that dynamic of being with my buddies and having great meals and laughter is perhaps more important than Iris fucked all and a girl dancing with mm. me in my coming. Yeah. So would you go to Costa Rica by yourself? You know, it's interesting you're asking that question because my buddies left to go to the beach uh, for two nights and I was by myself in San Jose, Costa Rica. It was an interesting feeling. I don't think I've ever been in a foreign country alone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was fine. I, I missed my buddies. It's more fun with them. But I did okay on my own. No. So would you go to Costa Yeah, I know. I, I was thinking that. I didn't answer your question. I I would, but I'd sure prefer to be with people. You're a people-oriented person. I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great when you go down to Costa Rica and you, uh, you pay a bunch of Costa Rican dudes to sit around and laugh and talk with you so that you can, can then... Buy their friendship. Yeah. Everything's purchasable. That's an interesting idea. Huh. Maybe we should form a service that specializes in this. Buying a Bros friend. before Bu- hose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Actually, that was good. That was good. All right, that's my update. Can't beat that. All right. Uh, and you, Robert? What about what about you? What about me? Okay, never mind. Let's move on. Not much happened this week. <laughs> Not much happening, no. Um what did happen? I Speech competition stuff. Yeah. Students. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Things are good. By the way, producer Joey is not here. It's just you and me. Yeah, man. Yeah. You can take a bath after this. But... I'm looking forward to it. Hey, let's talk about movies soap. we saw this week. Ah, are you talking about the the week in review, perhaps? No, I'm just talking about movies we saw this week. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Other movies we've seen during the last seven days. Some are stinkers, some we want to praise. Some are old, some are new. We now present the week in review. What did you see this week? Oh, I'm going to go first? Sure. Okay. I finally saw the two two films. And by the way, I've been toggling, toggling between Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime. And uh, I finally watched the rest of um, A Sleepwalking in Suburbia. Oh, I think how I was it? That, this is, this, and again, the premise was that she walks in neighborhoods at night and knocks on single men's doors and fucks them while she's asleep. But then the plot thickens in act two of the screenplay oh, oh, oh. where she wants to get she wants to get pregnant. She's a married woman. And they go to the doctors and the test says she's pregnant. And now we're wondering, is it the husband or is it the neighbor down the street who impregnated her? Mm. Hence, the story really begins to get tense. Wow, I'm fascinated. Right, yeah. Sleeping, uh, sleepwalking with the, with the, um, uh, in the suburbia. However, what I saw in its completion the other night was Zebra Lounge, 2001. You watch, watch some shit softcore. Yeah. How do you know it's softcore? Just in the title? Yes, because I've never heard of Zebra Lounge. <laughs> and I've heard of everything. <laughs> yes, you so have. So when, when you bring up some movie that I've never heard of, I know what it is. Well, you're calling it soft 
horrorcore porn, but I want to tell you that uh, Stephen Baldwin stars in it. Exactly my point. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. He's kind of the runt of the Baldwin boys, isn't he? Oh, it? you think? Is that fair to say? Yeah. The runt yeah. of the Baldwin boys. It's all about a couple, and they're kind of bland, and they're somewhat sexless marriage, and it's become ho-hum, and they go online, they find another couple that likes to swing, and they start swinging like crazy, and the other couple is not what they appear to be. Hence, we have a, a borderline thrill. Or not zebras. an alien, but they're, they're up to no good. These are no good nicks. Uh. So Zebra Lounge 2001 um, and with, with the great uh, Stephen Baldwin, the runt of the Baldwin boys. Those are the two films that I saw in my weekend review. And you, Robert. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this. Yeah. But a long time ago, I was on a pilot TV show. I don't think it ever got aired. And it was called Key Club. Did I ever tell you about this? No. There was a girl that I was dating at the time. I was really into her. And she was uh, working for this TV production company. And you're talking about swingers. And they asked her to be... Uh, because they wanted like a proof of concept for this TV show. And they rented out a hotel in Palm Springs. And they said, will you come out when you bring somebody? And she was dating me at the time. We were just kind of starting to date. She was like, yeah, sure. She asked me to come with her. And so we went out to Palm Springs. And it was basically the idea of, okay... Uh, you know, these couples are tired of their mates, and so you drop your keys into a bowl, and then you pull out the keys of somebody else, and then, you know, you're with that girl and everything else. You know, like these old 70s sure. swing parties. I used thing. to go to those, yeah. Of course you did. That's what I'm telling you. And uh, and so we did this whole thing, and it was, it was very forced because I was, you know, cut to the, to the, to the chase, and I'm in a hotel room with this uh, Asian girl who's... Neither one of us were very interested in one another. It was pretty obvious, but there's a film crew who's really trying to push this sexuality between her and I. And I was really into the girl that I was dating at the time and really just wanted the whole shoot to be over so I could make my move on the girl. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I ever told you that, but I was involved in a Wait, was this TV a reality show? It was a reality, a reality show, show. This, yeah. So this was a few years ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have said it was a reality show. Right. And this is like when reality shows were first starting up, huh? Uh, yeah, about there. It was so. probably 2004 or 5, right. something like right. that. Right, yeah. It was an unaired pilot? Yeah. I don't think it ever got made. Wow. So wait, what happened? I, I really tried to get out of right, the swing. Right, but what happened? Well, I, I think eventually I got back with the, the girl that I was wanting. Okay. Did you fuck this girl? The Asian girl. I think so. Robert? No, the Asian, no. 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 Not the... Because they were trying to force it, and it was like... They were trying to get me to pop open champagne. You know I don't drink. But I they know. They were like, let's have the champagne now, and here, touch her with this feather. And I'm like, dude, that's... What, what, are you, what are you trying to get me to do here? Like, that's not at all my game if I was going to do this game. It was, it was really forced. But they were trying to do, just do a proof of concept. But I, it, hey, you know, Robert, that, that concept is flawed anyway. Where are you going to get that many couples? And you fucked the Asian, didn't you? I wish. Yes, you did, Robert. Robert, there, look at you. Have you ever noticed? Wait, 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 I know I point. didn't fuck her. I just said I didn't. Hmm. I think I'd like I, people I think to I write us with... emails. Did Robert fuck the Asian? That's going to be the question. Let's see what the responses are. What swingers are never hot. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> to a large extent, I agree with you. Yeah, large, large extent. <laughs> uh, Offense not taken. Movies that I saw this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw every Star Wars movie. No, you didn't. I sure did. You binged all? All of you them. You saw all of them? Every Is one Is this in them. preparation for one that just came out? And I saw that one. I saw all you of them. You did? All of them. 
This Did week. you watch them in, quote, chronological order I, or the order in which they episode were? Episode 1, 2, 3, no, Rogue no. 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. You didn't do 4, 5, 6. No. One, I did two, not do three. it in release date. I did right. it in episode 1, 2, 3, Rogue 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. It's interesting you chose to watch them in that order. That's the order that they happen. Yeah. And story-wise. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's the order that I watched them. And, and, and. Phantom Menace was a bigger mess than I remember. I've not seen the first two or three in a Is long that the, time. Was that with Jar Jar? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that movie's awful. I, I, I it's, it Did does Lucas not Did Lucas direct up. that? Lucas yes. directed, and that was it. Everyone no, he directed did. the first three. I, oh, I know that. one, two, yeah, and three. Yeah, right, okay. Right. So he did the three of them. And the original Star Wars. Right. Uh, and... The second one, the Attack of the Clones, was it was better, but still had a lot of problems. And I didn't mind Revenge of the Sith or whatever that th- episode three was. It was it was okay, uh, but the newest one was really good. Now, Erwin Kirshner, you know who he is. He directed mm-hmm. one of them, right? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, right? that yeah. was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about him? Well, I was just saying he cut his teeth with uh, American International Pictures, and he was with Roger Corman and yeah. someone—kind of an older guy—and I was always surprised that they assigned him to direct that Star Wars movie. Well, it did, but the Return of the Jedi originally David Lynch was supposed to direct. Wow! Wow! And he gave up. He was like, "No, I, I'm not your guy." He gave that responsibility up so that he could direct Dune. So if you remember Dune, and well, that was even fucking right, weird. Right. So, two things. Uh, how was it seeing all these films? And, of course, how was it seeing the most recent one? Uh, it was... There's a lot of lines that you now understand more, uh, having watched them all in order. Things in the... Like, say, uh, Return of the Jedi or something like that, where Darth Vader will say, oh, we've dissolved the Galactic Senate. And now you understand what that means. Whereas before, you're kind of like, uh, all right, I guess. I don't really understand the ramifications of that. But it's so well set up in the first one that it starts to make sense. Uh, things like at the end of... Uh, did you see all of them? Have you seen no, them? No, there are quite a few I haven't seen. At the end of uh, episode three, all the Jedis are killed. And the only ones that really escape are Obi-Wan and Yoda. And they kind of they go off in different places, and and they're like, okay, let's stay hidden because the Sith lords are are trying to kill them all. And th- the way that they've set all that up, it starts to make more sense based on some of the lines that happen in A New Hope and that happen later on are actually given more context because of sure. uh, things that you now see and you go, oh, okay, now I understand why that line is said the way it's said. Right. And it, it, it's set up better because of actions that happen in the first place. Sure. So that makes sense. Where did you see the, Did you do this here at home? Or was there a marathon screening someplace? No, I just didn't want... I mean, we I own them, so... No, so you did that. Uh, that was cool. A conscious attempt... And this was all in preparation for seeing the new film. Yeah. And the new film? So, uh, something I wanted to tell you. <laughs> the last new movie that came out 2015 two years ago there was that was like the new big release of all the star wars movies do you remember this that was when disney bought the sure. star wars franchise and all of that no that was J- the force awakens yes jj abrams i saw that by the way okay in the theater when that movie uh came out i had i was sitting with a friend of mine who was obsessed with all the star wars movies that always 
really, really enjoyed them. And he purposely didn't watch any trailers, didn't want any spoilers, didn't want anything. We were kind of sitting there talking about how uptight he was about Star Wars. And I turned to him and I go, yeah, dude, you know Han Solo dies in this, right? <laughs> he goes, dude. And I'm like, I'm just telling you. And then we start watching the movie. Now, I'm just fucking around. You were fucking with him. You didn't even know that to be true. Yeah. And then he dies. Oh, my God. You must have felt and like shit. After, and then after the movie, he was like, you fucker. And I was like, I didn't even know, That's man. I was very just funny. fucking around. That's very funny. So the day of, like, two days, two, three days ago, whenever the, the new last Jedi What did you say released, this time? I got on Twitter, and I just typed out, all I said was, Luke dies. And guess what happens? Luke dies. He does? Yeah. Well, wait, you just did it again. Yeah, yeah. I just fucking did it. And yeah, it wait, did it you just podcast. did it right now, though. Yeah. So I haven't said, our listeners, yeah. spoiler alert. Oh, too late. Yeah, nice one, Robert. Yeah, I don't fucking care. Yeah, we it's can a tell. Fucking, it's a movie about magical Jedi force shit. It just, it's fantasy. Luke Relax dies? a little Luke bit. Di- Luke <laughs> dies. so funny when you get, Luke dies. Luke dies. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. You didn't cry? No, it was a good movie. It was a good How'd they get Carrie in there? She had filmed all of her scenes yeah. before, and I, I kept waiting for. I didn't do much research before the movie. I just, I, I, same kind of thing as Josh's. I say Josh. Josh was in here. There was the guy that was talking about with Han Solo, right? But he, uh, I, I didn't want to know much about the movie. But I'm not so uptight if somebody gives me a spoiler that I, I flip out. I think people get way too bent out of shape about spoilers. But, uh, but that's why I tried to put on Twitter was just Luke dies, uh, because then you can't unread it. It's so fast that's that so you're like. Funny. I knew it was going to uh, fuck with people. But then it turned out to be true. Again. So I'm two for two now. That is so funny. Yeah. Wow. So, I wonder what the third one's going to uh, be. Well, of course, Carrie's going to die, right? So, I mean, we know she Leia, dies? Leia's going to die in the, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying right now, Solo comes back. I don't think Solo's dead. Is that what you're dead. feeling? Yeah. I don't think Solo's dead. Did he die in such a way where... Was he dead? Dead. He got stabbed by the lightsaber and then fell. How, and we, how we, many stories? We didn't see. It just kind of fell. And remember that Luke did that in Empire Strikes Back and just fell and fell. And then he actually landed on one of those like little. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Yeah. 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 Wow. Look, Harrison this, Ford. These are kids' stories, all... right? These are like little. This is fantasy shit. Yeah. So it's I, people that that take this way too so seriously. So in other words, you're justifying. The fact that you're spoiling yeah. it for so many people. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And the same shit with Dumbledore when I found out that he yeah. died. Uh, fuck fuck Dumbledore you. If you're, if you're taking it that Dumbledore seriously, th- there, you have the wrong l- outlook on life. Yeah, but aren't you taking away some of the magic for these people? Yeah. <laughs> you fucked the Asian in that reality show, didn't you? No. She was gross. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. She might be a regular listener to this podcast. Good point. Good All point. right. Who died this week? Yo, Speaking I'm, of death, Han Solo. Luke. And, is Luke on this list? <laughs> and now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. Gotta tell you. Unfortunately, we must. The following people have turned to dust. Luke dies. <sighs> Luke. You ready? Yeah. All right. It's been a very difficult week because we lost two porn actresses two count them porn ira is not a happy boy mm. august ames 23 years old canadian pornographic actress she she hanged herself in but, a park in southern california do what? you okay wait tio she was one of my favorites did you in all honesty yeah no hyperbole yeah did you know august ames when you saw that did you know exactly who that was or did you look her up after you found out that she died 
No, I did not know who she was. Okay. Yes, I looked her up afterwards. Now, I, because there's been a few of these people who have committed suicide. Yeah. And there is kind of a morbid fascination of like, all right, well, let's find out what this chick looked like. That's right. Right? I wonder if her Her, her Wikipedia to... page is getting more hits now, now than it, that's your premise. Yeah. 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 So yeah. basically, if you want to do the best thing for your porn career, it's kill yourself. Huh. But then you won't be around to enjoy the accolades. Take your death. Hmm. Go Andy Kaufman on him. Yeah, yeah. All right. I want to say that she, she, you know what the AVN Awards, I've always seen, you know what that stands course, for? Yeah. What's the AVN? Stands for? Adult Video Awards. N- no, N- of, of adult video. I Googled it. I have the answer. Adult Video ne- Network? News. News? It's a weird name, isn't yeah. it? I don't I, know why the I N is news. I didn't know that because there's a documentary about the AVN yeah. on, on Netflix. I think. Yeah, so I was thinking the other, what does N stand for? News? How yeah. weird. Adult video news? Anyway, huh. she was in more than uh, 290 movies and so on. She committed suicide in a park in Ventura County, and um, she was going through lots of bouts of depression, and they actually blamed it on cyberbullying. Do you buy that? Said, no, I don't. You know I don't how I feel that. about that. No. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Well, why, why don't you buy it? Uh, it's It's... She's a porn actress, for Christ's sakes. Why would she allow that dynamic for her to get under her skin? I, I think a lot of that is, is, is hyperbole. I think that there's... Well, we talked about this, this oversensitivity to stuff. You want to say, hey, toughen up. Welcome to the real world, kid. I just don't think that anybody is that fragile that by a couple of comments on your Facebook page are going to make you hang yourself. Something else was going on. And yeah. sure enough, in the article, it said that she was on medication for depression. Right. So there you go. There you go. Conrad Brooks, 86 years old, an American actor. And get this. That's another porn star? No, no, no. We're oh. done with that. But we'll come to another one in a moment. He was in Plan 9 uh, from Outer Space. And he was also in Glen or Glenda. So he was in a number of Ed Wood movies. And uh, The Beast in Yucca Flats. I Googled him. I looked at some of the films I've he was in. I've never seen that. And um, yeah. So he was in that. And... Um, and so we lost him at uh, 86 years old. I need to go back and watch a Plan, plan 9. I, I think, think that'd be it. fun. I haven't seen it since high school. You can see the string that's holding up the flying saucer. Right. Yeah, that, that would be, uh, be fun to see. We lost Steve Revis, a 55-year-old American actor in Fargo. And I was wondering, and also The Longest Yard, who is this guy? Did a little bit of research. He was a, a Native American actor, huh. Indian. And the role of Shep Proudfoot in the Academy Award-winning film Fargo, and that's what he was most well-known for. Hmm. Do you remember that scene? I don't. I don't either, and I wanted to, and I couldn't. I thought that would jog my memory. But at any rate, so character actor, he left us at 55. Howard Gottfried, an American film producer, he did Network. He produced Network, 94 years old. We also lost, maybe you know this person, 67-year-old, he was an internet personality called Angry Grandpa. Do you know that person? I didn't either. Videos were featured on a lot of shows, including Rude Rude Tube and so on. Um, He got over 3 million subscribers and over 627 million views called Angry Grandpa. You know, it's weird because there's this whole other culture of celebritydom of internet celebrities like YouTube or Instagram. Uh, You know, these are people that are extremely famous to people who use that content. Do you know what I mean? It's specific. Yeah. It's almost a specialized. Almost, I mean, it's, there's a whole group of people that just, they don't watch TV. They watch YouTube videos. Right. And then you have celebrities amongst them. But it's not mainstream. It, well, it's not because seriously, Robert, you're so aware of stuff. And I was wondering if you knew about Angry Grandpa and you don't. But he certainly had a following. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying it's not mainstream. I mean, certainly there's stuff out there, but... Yeah, not old school mainstream. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say, but yeah. Angry Grandpa. Well, he's not angry anymore. We lost someone we spoke about at some length recently in a recent podcast, Bruce Brown, 80 years old. I mean, again, we're, we're talking Endless Summer here and the film that had quite an effect on me and other documentaries too on motorcycle racing and so on. Yeah. Uh, he died at 80. We also lost 72-year-old British actress Susanna Lay. She was in Paradise Hawaiian style. I Googled her. She had quite a lot of films, not A-level films, more the B-level films, but what, what a history these people have. It really is interesting to take the time and Google these people and see mm-hmm. what they've done. We lost 81-year-old um, Bruce Gray, a Puerto Rican, um, a Canadian actor born in Puerto Rico. And um, Bruce was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding and other films too. Martin Ransohoff. Now, he was mostly known for television, but did a few, uh, some films as well. A producer, 90 years old, and he produced the Beverly Hillbillies and uh, he created, he co-founded film. Filmways, you've seen that logo a lot. Yeah, Filmways. Yeah, mostly for television, but he also produced films as well, so I thought we could include him in our list. 31-year-old, another porn actress, Yurizan Beltran, uh, suspected drug overdose. I googled her and uh, looked at her picture. Now, wait. Uh, I, I did not hear about this one. Yeah. I, I did hear about August Ames, but I didn't hear mm-hmm. about Yurizan uh, Beltran. Yeah, yeah. Well, how's she stack up? Uh... <laughs> Do you want to come to Costa Rica with me? No. Oh, yeah. No, it sounds awful. But no, wait. Seriously, how? what's she look like? She was hot and voluptuous with huge breasts. I, she's brunette, right? She's got to be brunette with a name like that. Yeah, how'd you know that? Because that sounds like a like a yeah. Jewish name or like, yeah. I don't know, Eastern yeah. Bloc or something like but that. But it's weird because she she's in this country. She's born here. She's oh, really? An American, yeah, American porn. Because I assume she was born in a different country also. Mm. But she's American. Yuri's in Belgium? Yeah, go figure. All right. But she was um, a brunette with uh, large ones. Feet? <laughs> we lost an icon, an American animator yeah. responsible for Looney Tunes. 99-year-old Bob Givens. Are you familiar with that name? I, I am, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, Robert, that's cool. He did so much, including working with Disney Warner Brothers, Hanna-Barbera, and so on, and um, a frequent collaborator with the great Chuck Jones, and um, a, a, and had his own production company, and so on. He passed away at 99 years old. I love Looney Tunes movies, yeah, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we might have talked about it before, but the Looney Tunes stuff is so great. And they put out a set of DVDs a number of years back, like the Golden Collection, where it's all of their, almost all of their shorts. And they have some excellent commentary, great behind the scenes that really show what was going on, why the films were made the way that they were made. And, you know, they had an entire orchestra at Warner Brothers that was just sitting around playing Pinochle and they weren't doing anything. And the head of the studio came down and was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? They're not, they're not doing anything. I'm like, well, there's no music to score. All the m- movies are shooting right now and they're waiting for music to come in. And he was like, I want these guys working, not sitting around playing cards. He's like, go, tell them to go do the music for the cartoons or something. And that's what happened. That's why when you listen to the wow. music for Looney Tunes, yeah. it's an amazing orchestra at play. Because it's world-renowned musicians, and they had nothing else to do. So they're like, fuck it. We'll just do some great music for this Are cartoons. there CDs available with just the music? Of the I don't know. That's I a wonder. good question. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the music is amazing for those. I mean, it's... It's a full orchestra for a cartoon. Do you know what I mean? Like that—that's expensive, and it's because they were all part of 
Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers used to just have an orchestra there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Would they project the cartoon while they, they were playing their instrument? Like they've done, where they score films? Yeah, I think you, so. Probably the same way. Well, I, I don't, maybe, but... I wonder. But, you know, because animation is kind of backwards, because you usually do the soundtrack first and then draw the pictures, I could also see it being the other way. So right. I, I don't know the answer I wonder, to that. Yeah. And I probably could find out, but I don't know off the top of my head. Is that right? In animation, first they do the uh, audio? Audio, yeah. And then they, and then they draw do, to match the... Yeah, and that's why <clears throat> when you have... Uh, <clears throat> if you ever have actors... If you do like a temp track, if you record actors who... Um, are, are going to do the audio of like the new Disney movie or something like that, Frozen, and you bring in the actors and they're going to say these lines. And then you bring in the big-name actors to match those lines. If the big-name actors ever start to improv or go off, the, the, you kind of need them to stay on rhythm, you'll see that it will really freak out a lot of the animators because they're like, no, 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 man, it's got to be these right. words right. in this order and right. we got to have it exactly like right. this. Right. Uh, so most of the time what they'll do is they will they will just get the audio first. Right, right. You know, speaking of which, it doesn't really support what you just said, but with the movie Her, when they brought in Scarlett Johansson afterwards yeah. to record the voice. Now, of course, that wasn't animation, so it's not really going along with it. But I'm still fascinated that they made that work yeah. somehow to get in her voice, and she had to watch the movie and be in a booth. Well, they had Samantha set. Morton on set doing the voice. Right. So they, it was correct. easy because they just replaced her voice. They right. took her, her voice out and put in, uh, what's her, her nose? Scarlet. Scarlet. Yeah. But I th- with animation, you're trying to get the mouth to line up. You're and trying that's to get how those, they do it. Yeah. And that's how they do it, by doing the it's audio It's literally first. by frames. You have right. to look frame right. by frame to right. make sure that it matches the audio. Yeah. And that's also why you'll see films that, like uh, Simpsons, which are rarely topical. They're rarely talking about current political issues because the, uh, the animation... Like they'll, they'll have to record the audio and then they send it off Ship to be it to China. Uh, I think it's Korea. Oh, and then Korea, you know, do us all the inking they fill and everything in the else. Cells and they... then they ship it all back. South Park got really famous, or not famous, but they kind of boosted to um, to another level of animation because they were doing they do digital, even though their original stuff was using paper cutouts. Their animation is now digital. It's all digital, and it's made to look like paper cutouts. But it's so fast that they can actually record a an episode like two or three days before going on air. So they do all of their animation really, really quickly because it's so rudimentary and there, are, there isn't a whole lot of rendering that needs to be done. Why are those cells shipped to Korea to be filled in? They're filled in, right? Yes. And, and why can't that, A, be done here? And the second part of my question is, how is it shipped? It's online these are attachments correct? I, i'm not sh- i'm sure now it's all done digital uh but in the day back yeah how before, would they do like, it prior to internet 1989 yes. when simpsons first comes yeah. on the air yeah what you would do is you would you would basically have your master animators and they would they would draw like basically a a, a few frames so all right in animation uh you're doing you've got 12 frames every second so you need a new picture every every frame uh, and that and Disney set that standard. That's what Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was so uh, it got so many Oscars for was that Disney basically uh, up until that time animation had been uh, all right. We'll do one frame. I'm sorry. We'll do one picture and we'll we'll shoot two frames with it. So we'll do one picture and it'll be uh, frame frame and then we'll do a new picture frame frame and then another picture frame frame. So 
Disney says, no, every frame we're drawing a whole new picture. Which has a more smooth Yes, flow. it looks a lot smoother, and it's and he never repeated his frames. If you look at old like Steamboat Willie, you'll see the same repetition of the of the characters. They're just kind of That's jumping right. up and down with That's the same right. expressions That's and things right. like that. That's right. But then he says, no, we're not going to repeat these frames. Right. It's going to be a brand right. new frame right. every single time. Right. And that's a lot of work. So what Simpsons does is they say, all right, we've got this frame here, frame, let's say, uh, one. And I'm going to draw frame five. And then I'm going to draw frame, frame ten. And I'm going to send it off to somebody else. I'm drawing it all in, and then I'll, I'll send you a sample of what the character should look like. And I'll send it to Korea. And Korea's in charge of drawing frames two, three, four. And they're also in charge of drawing six, seven, eight, nine. So they'll draw the frames in between, the, like the master frames. Right. But I still want to know, A, why can't that be done here? It could, but at what price? Is it cheaper? Yeah. Point number two, prior to the internet... How would they mail it? I'm sure. Yeah, isn't that weird? Probably Federal Express. They go to the post office yeah. and but mail it. It's still it? cheaper. I mean, you're, they're little slips of plastic. I know, but that's crazy. And then you'd be waiting to get it back in the mail. Yeah. That here the cell's completed. Yeah. But I'm they, sure it's done now. All of them have a registration. There's like three pins at the top of the of the animation uh, cell, and it's like a a, a site like uh, like a little uh, dash mark. It looks like a, almost like a hyphen. There's two of those, and there's a round one in the middle, and then. That registration, those registration pins make it so that when you take that clear cell and you put it down on an animation board, it won't move. And it will always lock into the exact same place. So now their registration pins and your registration pins are lined up. And in Korea, when they're drawing it, it's going to be it's going to be in the exact same position in America. And that way, it doesn't matter where these cells get moved. They're always going to be in the same order. Right, right. So that's... And, and it's weird, too, even how when you do sell animation, you kind of have to build the character backwards. It's really strange, but you have to do you do all the black stuff, and you draw on the back side of the cell. You draw the character with, in black, and then you put paint on. And it's really strange. Like You can even kind of scrape it off if you mess up. It's, it's really strange. If you, if you study animation, it's hard to describe on uh, via radio. It's a, such a visual medium. You really need to right, see it. Right, right. But um, you build the characters backwards on the cell. And you draw it backwards so that then when you put it face down, um, it it now looks the way you want it to look. Wow. Which, which is those big, clear black lines and then the colors that pop behind it. You know, off on a quick thing, I saw something when I was a little boy about this, like in an animation, a Disney animation, if there's a dog in the foreground and the camera slowly pans in, we you, get closer you to the dog. You, you would but, zoom in. Zoom, thank you. Zoom in. We get closer to the dog, but the moon in the background can't get larger. That has to stay constant, even though we come in closer. Are there two cells? Yes. So what you have is you have a background cell, and then right. you start to stack the cells. So that's the benefit of cells is that you can you can start stacking them, and you don't – after – you stack enough of them, then you'll start to lose the background. So after you get to like five or six cells, there's a little—they're not perfectly clear. There's like a small loss of light. Um, but even like their expressions, if you look at the cells, if you were to actually look at uh, a Bugs Bunny cell or something, the face itself, like the mouth or something, wouldn't be on one cell. It would just be like Bugs Bunny's body, and then you might put his face on a different cell so that you could make his mouth move. Got it. And that way you don't have to completely redraw Bugs Bunny sure. every time. You just have to redraw Are these cells stacked 
with a fraction of an inch between them? Or no, is there they're space? actually touching. They are touching. Yeah, but it's clear plastic. And it's like saran wrap, right? If you look through one piece of saran wrap, it's clear. But if you look through two pieces, it's a little less clear. And obviously, if you keep stacking multiples, then you start to have right. loss of light. Right. But that's only cell animation. There's other types of animation that, like, um, you know, line animation, which is where you literally draw a whole new picture every time. And that can be really tedious. Uh, Don Hertzfeld does a lot of that by himself. He do, he draws everything, every frame. And so he'll draw a lot of stick figure stuff because you're drawing so many thousands and thousands of pictures, it's hard to draw really ornate stuff. Right, right. And uh, if you ever watch Don Hertzfeld's animation, it's it's phenomenal what he does if you know what he's doing because he's using all this old school animation stuff. He does right. it all by himself. He will also... Bipack film, which is where you take two layers of film and you can actually uh, use, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but you basically use one layer of film to prevent light from exposing the second layer of film. It's really crazy. Some of the same stuff that they were using in the early Star Wars days of rotoscoping and things like that. And he's doing all of that by himself. It's maddening. And you have to be so good with math to not get lost in like, what number frame am I on? I'm on frame 2,438. And if you mess up and and do it incorrectly, you fucked everything It takes a certain mentality to do that. Yeah. It takes... Now, Claymation. Yeah. Gumby. Single frame. Same kind of thing. Same thing, but single... And that really was made with clay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even see in some of them, you can see their thumbprints. Particles, you can see thumbprints yeah, of yeah. the artists on yeah. their bodies of the yeah. clay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Sorry to derail, but... No, I love our tangents. Animation is really interesting if you... I mean, you have to be so mathematically oriented, and it's weird. You wouldn't think of that. You would think, oh, you have to be artistically oriented. And, and yes, that's true too, but if you don't understand the math behind things, you're going to get lost, and your, right. your stuff's not going to look good. I was actually watching uh, a documentary... Um, Joey had asked me how they make the lightsabers for Star Wars in the old movies. How do they do that? And I was showing her some of the old rotoscoping and their math. They were showing examples of where the math had not worked out correctly. And it was a couple of failed rotoscopes. And the lightsabers, like the color of the lightsabers was off by about six or seven inches. And it's like Darth Vader and Luke right, hitting each right. other. And the, the color is all right, weird. Right, so, right. Uh, I mean, even the professionals fuck up. And it's hard. It's really hard to keep all that stuff straight. As a kid, I used to have a pad of paper with the stick figures, and you thumb through the paper, yeah. you know, and to make our own little animation. And that's the easiest form. I mean, you can sit there that's and so do that. So basic. Yeah, anybody, yeah, I think we all did that at one yeah. time when we were yeah. kids. Uh, two more names, if I may. Speaking of animation, by the way, this gentleman, only fifty-eight years old, Japanese anime screenwriter, uh, and I want to say the name right. I'm going to say Mishiru Shimada, 58 hey, years old. that's pretty good, I man. Good job. I've been practicing on this. Japanese anime screenwriter. And we also lost one more person, Kirk Douglas. When is Kirk Douglas going to actually die? What do you mean? <laughs> I just said, I, what, what do you mean? What do you, when we he started, does. We started I this. know. I, explain. We started talking about Kirk Douglas dying. And I, I remember saying... Is he going to die or Olivia de Havilland? Is she going to die first? And neither one are dead yet. Yeah. How is he still alive? It was he either 101 or 102? It was his birthday was yesterday. And um, how is he still alive? Good sex. He was down in Costa Rica with me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he's got Kirk's fuck doll. Kirk. He's got all these... <laughs> all your buddies have fuck doll shirts? <laughs> no, I'm the only one. Man, that guy's got some uh, longevity in his bones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jew. 
Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. It's all that non-carpentry, non-sports. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I do want to include a death of a career. Uh-oh. Yeah, Dustin. Dustin Hoffman. You said a couple days ago that this was, they were sniffing around, that this yeah. was, but it exploded a couple days ago, as we know. And uh, there was some uh, real specific um, CD questionable he stuff he was doing. He grilled pretty hard in an interview with John Oliver. Did you see that? No, no. Yeah, they did a panel Q&A, and John Oliver was asking him some really, he was basically coming right out and asking like all of this stuff. And Dustin Hoffman was saying basically that these are, like you don't know their motivations and why are they coming forward now and john oliver was like he was not having it and it really i think it to me it made both of them look kind of bad i didn't it made it made dustin hoffman seem like he was disconnected and and unrealistic about the gravity of the situation and it made john oliver seem kind of petulant yeah i don't know it was neither one really came out looking that great but man not surprised. I don't know why. It just there's a lot of that kind of old school. It is old school. Yeah, does eighty years old, Dustin. Yeah. Elaine. Okay. Well. Okay. Now, do we think? All right. The Weinstein name is trashed. Right. It, the, no one will produce a film. Yes, under the Weinstein I like this band. game. Name a name. We'll see if their career is salvageable or not. All right. That's where you're going, right? Dustin Hoffman. I I'm, doubt he's going to have any major roles. Maybe some minor ones, but. Is his work, is his history of work going to be tarnished? For some reason, not not nearly as much as Kevin Spacey. Yes. Kevin Sp- we agree on this, don't yes. we? Kevin Spacey's dead. I don't think we'll see him again. I think, I think you, he'll be back. I think he'll be back in something. It'll be a while. I, listen, I think they're... Honestly, I think they're going to start looking at like Mel Gibson's comeback. Like, How did Mel Gibson stage his comeback? He laid low for a while, did a couple of small little things, started getting out there a little bit, and then he starts kind of slowly amping it up. And yes, I'm back, and, and I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and he was forgiven. He, he largely. Was. But I think there's still a lot of he people can't. that hold a grudge against yeah. him. I don't, yeah. I don't know that he'll ever fully recover because he said anti-Semitic remarks, and I think there's, there's Jewish... Uh, film critics out there who will never watch his films. Right. Um, Some of my friends feel that way. Yeah. They well, do. We've talked so, about it on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, a few of my friends will never see a, one of his movies. And those people are never welcome back on this podcast. Nah. That's fine. Uh, um, let's see, who else uh, as far as career? Is a career salvageable? That's what we're asking. Charlie Rose, I don't think we'll... Now, yeah, of course, he's that's, gone. Yeah, he's gone. Now, that's television. Which is kind of sad because I always liked Charlie. Oh, man. Yeah, what an intellect. What a warm... Articulate, eloquent. intellect. <laughs> I guess. I guess. You know, who else? Al Franken. Al Franken shouldn't be, this shouldn't have happened. Yeah, we agree. So. Yeah. And again, what I'm reminding all my friends is that. And I don't like Al Franken. I don't even like, but he wasn't a senator then. He well, was a head writer that, of SNL. What he did was not nearly. He didn't touch the, her. She was sleeping and but, he mimed. But he grabbed, squeezing, grabbed what's her nose's butt at yeah. the state fair, right? Yeah, so, so what? But that's so minor compared to... This is trumped-up charges for Al. Yeah. Agreed. What's really interesting to me, I think, is the, the political spectrum of all of this. The Republicans do not seem to be getting hit. It's only Democrat or left-leaning celebrities who really seem to uh, be taking major punches uh, here. What about the senator in Alabama? But, first of all, that's one. Okay. That's the exception to prove the rule. Right. And second of all... He didn't really seem to go away. He was just kind of like, nah, fuck that. 
<laughs> it's just kind of like, everyone else was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 that's very funny. Louis C.K. writes this huge apology, and it was, I was wrong. I did it, and let me admit it. And this Roy Moore's like, oh, fuck you guys. Yeah, I know. That's very funny. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, By the way, Louis C.K., I think his career is going to bounce back. I think he can get out of it. Because of his ethos. Yeah. Because of who he is. Because of his humor. But also, he came right out and admitted it. And he, yeah, what I also... Quite an apology. Yeah. I like in his letter where he was saying, "I this is all I need to say now, and now I need to shut up and, and, and listen. And he was right. I mean, he's... He committed the wrong thing, and he came out and said, yep, I did, and it's fucked up, and now I need to shut up and listen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now now we have room to grow from there. Um, but the, the Kevin Spacey's denying it and you know shit like that. It's like, this ain't going to end well. And just, well, yeah, and also with Kevin Spacey, uh, the guy was uh, underage. Yeah. That made it even more slimy and illegal and inappropriate as well as inappropriate. Yeah. 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 That's it for uh in the news and um and the dead corner. Let's let's move I, on. I almost feel like there's a dead corner and a sex corner now. I mean it, I know. because that's we have to talk about it. Well almost we do every death week. of a career and that's where we go into this. I, I mean, know that's immediately what we have to run right into is yeah. it, like who who groped who this week. All right. Yeah. I'd like to mention one more in the news. Go for it. We now have a, a, a coming together, if you will, of, uh, of Amazon and Apple TV. And uh, for the, I put up my Apple TV, and as you well know, Robert, uh, Amazon Prime wasn't allowed for the last few years mm-hmm. there. They were at one time, but they mm-hmm. were pushed off uh, because of conflict of interest and because of uh, sharing, sharing material and so on. Um, and I turned on my TV, and there it was on the menu of Apple TV. It had the Prime, um, Amazon Prime video. And I was startled to see it. There it was. And so I Googled the question. And sure enough, uh, the chairperson of Amazon said, before the end of the year, probably in December, we're going to welcome these back. And did you know also that the Apple TV box was not being sold on Amazon.com? Oh, they wow. Didn't, yes, they were only – the Fire Stick, is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. They had their own. Yeah. The Fire, well, they changed their mind on that too. So how about that? So uh, Apple TV and Amazon are in bed together once again. And we win. Right. We Consumers win. Consumers win off that. This is terrific. And now I can see all my Amazon Prime. Because I think I mentioned to you what I used to do for the last few weeks, Robert. I would use my, my iPhone. And that way I would get the image on Amazon Prime. I had the app for Amazon. And then I would uh, mirror it onto my TV. It was a circuitous route. It worked. It worked. So it would have to go that way. Now I don't have to. It's more direct this way. And um, it's pretty cool. I wonder so how the went. net neutrality verdict yes, is going to impact that. That's a great question. How do you feel about our tangents today? I, I'm such an economic anarchist. I do not want government invention, intervention in anything. And the way I, I know it's really kind of backwards because the billing is net neutrality, but it's government-sponsored net neutrality. It's the government influencing... The economic market. And I fully believe companies should be allowed to do what they want. And if a company wants to allow faster channels for uh, for Google versus our website, you know, uh, you know com, fucking go with Google. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, to prohibit us from being able to have a website up, I think that's a problem. But 
I mean, yeah, if you, if that's what the company wants to do, if Comcast wants to allow faster channels, then do that. That's fine. Uh, people are afraid that we're going to have to pay for what we now get free. I don't think that's going to I don't think so either. No. I think that's alarmist stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's trying to... It's fear-mongering. It's scaring people into some sort of action. It's uh, Change is scary. It's bad. And it's, uh, you don't know what's coming. But ultimately, if it allows companies to do what they want to do better, we should do it. The government should stay the fuck out. So, I don't know. Oh, all, all I ever see the government doing is, is fucking stuff mm-hmm. up. I never see the government succeeding. Mm-hmm. Almost every massive form of wealth that we've seen in this country has been because of government intervention right and even even when you go back to robber barons when you talk about like you know train lines and things like that rockefeller all those days people like oh yeah well the the, you know there was the government that stopped those monopolies no no the government started those monopolies because the government wouldn't allow for foreign trade they're putting tariffs and taxes and uh, you know trade prevention with foreign trade and so now you have someone like Rockefeller or Carnegie who amasses these huge amounts of wealth based off of there being no trade. There's no other option for people to get their supplies the way that they want. Keep the government the fuck out of the economy. It Agreed. doesn't work. Yep. Yep. Sorry. That was my anti-communist rant for the day. Okay, so. I love our tangents. Okay. One more thing before we get to the film. We're never going to talk I about know. this movie. I know. All right, go ahead. Okay. There's something you mentioned more than once. If there was a, a specific thing that throws you out of a movie when you're watching a movie, you say it pulled me out of a film. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this. When you watch a movie in a theater, let's just say, are you so engrossed in the film that you're not even conscious that you're watching a film that you're that in, connected and involved to what you're saying? Is this an interesting question? Yeah. Do, do you... Do you vacillate? Do you go in and out? Are you conscious you're watching a movie when you're watching a movie? Most of the time I go in and out. There are some films that I become so immersed in, and I love those films. When I'm lost in the film for long stretches, and I cannot take my eyes And you actually forget you're watching a movie, don't you? Isn't that wonderful when that happens? It's rare when that happens, isn't it? But, but I I think think it's rare because my neurons have been burnt out. I've seen so many films that... it. It's hard for me to keep getting lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question. But I try. And I th- that's why I like going to the theater more than watching films at home is there's fewer distractions. Right. And I'm forced to have to right. engage in right. the story. Right. Right. Yeah. Same thing for me. It doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes I'm just so engrossed, attached to what I'm saying. I'm not even aware that I'm watching a movie. I'm that connected yeah. to watching it play out. And that's wonderful when that happens. Yeah. Cool. Why do you ask that? Because of your comment a couple times, um, where the Jeffrey Dahmer movie, I, there was something, some that beat in the me. film. You said, it pulled me out of the film. Yeah. I was thinking, well, when he's pulled out, does that mean when he's not pulled out, he's that attached to it, not aware you're watching a movie? It's an interesting question. I wanted to ask you. You can usually tell, I mean, you know my body language enough. If there's something that's really odd or weird yeah. I'll throw my hands up and Absolutely. Like, what the fuck Absolutely. Like, that makes yeah. no sense yeah. and, and I don't do that very often but when I do that I'm not enjoying what I'm saying right, right. it's that those moments really now I, I'm going what the fuck just happened and this this is not being explained in a rational way right right. talk about being pulled or, out or emotional way right yeah. 
All right. Well, that wraps it up. Hey, so, we did it. Let's, let's, I mean, we've been. <laughs> this is a long podcast yeah. already. Woo! Let's talk about the movie real quick. Let's get to our top five. Let's Wait. get the fuck out of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about Icarus? Oh, I'm going to go first? Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, Robert. Yeah. Talk us through it in broad strokes. Okay. Icarus is about a. It uh, starts off with a guy. I don't even remember his name. I got to look Greg, down here. Is it space. Greg? Uh, uh, Brian, Brian Fogel. Brian Fogel. Brian Fogel is a. Bicycle. We should say this is on Netflix. This is streaming on Netflix. It is. Uh, he's a cyclist, and he decides to conduct a little experiment based on a lot of the doping scandals that have been talked about. Uh, and he decides that he's going to ride an amateur race in France, and it's basically kind of like the Tour de France, but amateur. And he runs this race clean. And then the next year, he decides he's going to come back and do the whole thing all over again, this time using steroids and, and being doped up. So he runs it clean, and he finishes 12th or yeah, 14th? I think or 14th, like 14th. Yeah, 14th. And uh, he then needs to get a doctor to help him try to avoid the doping. Uh, what am I trying to say? The obstacles. He goes to one of the premier doping specialists, scientists in America, who says, I can't help you with that, but I got this guy in Russia, and he can help you. So he contacts this guy in Russia, and the guy is very eager to help, and he gets him on this whole uh, this whole regiment. Regiment, and actually, oddly, he does worse the second time out than he did the first time. Now, to be fair, his bike, bike broke. broke, but uh, but in the middle of his experiment, the whole documentary is disrupted by this emerging scandal happening in Russia. And so this documentary that was supposed to be about his bicycle race all of a sudden becomes about this exploding doping scandal in Russia. And he just happens to have this – he's already started all this contact with that guy from Russia who it turns out is the whistleblower of all of these uh, – the doping scandals behind the Russian Olympic team. So – Brian Fogel flies him out to Los Angeles, puts him up in a in a, an apartment, basically protects him and shields him from the the Russian government, and does this huge expose on the Russian doping scandal. Yeah, yeah. fucking fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, yeah. from a documentary standpoint, to be focusing on one avenue. <laughs> Which is tangentially related, and then all of a sudden have to shift and be like, whoa, we I got know. the story. I guess originally he meant this to be a documentary about the bicycle racing and uh, the doping. It was going to be a small the... little story about that. Right. With, uh, what's his name? The bicyclist who got nailed. Uh, Lance Armstrong. Yeah, Lance Armstrong. And that was going to kind of be it. But my God, talk about investigative journalists. And look what he discovered. And all of a sudden, this documentary got a life of its own yeah. and took us in a completely unexpected direction. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm just going to spill the beans. I like this documentary. I liked it a lot. I think there were some really cool parts in it. uh, I'm reminded almost of um, Man on Wire because it was, there were some heist elements to this documentary. It really showed how they were able to sneak the urine samples out from the, from the Russian athletes and into certain secret chambers of the, the laboratory where they were sneaking it through holes in the wall that were disguised to look like electrical outlets and things like that. And then they could change the, the, the bottles. Urine. What about the actual bottles? The bottles were, were constructed, were, you know, handed off to the KGB who would, you know, magically get them open. And yeah, they, they need could... a special device to open them up and then yeah. they change the bottle structure. To, it was just, it's crazy yeah. how, first of all, I didn't know all that stuff about doping in the first place of how, how strict they're trying to be. 
the International Olympic Committee is trying to be very strict on on their their standards, and then to what lengths Russia would go to? I know to to dope. Yeah. And the next question that I obviously have in my mind is: Is America doping? Oh, because we're winning a lot of awards, and uh, it, is there has to be. I mean, are any of our athletes doing this? I don't think so. You don't think so? Oh my God, am I naive? You're gonna think I'm being naive after seeing this documentary. It makes you wonder. But I, I don't know how they could pull it off, and, or especially not get caught with all of the swell of what's going on uh, with Russia. Russia, yeah. But I mean, it was very extensive, uh, and, and I don't know how they would have been able to do it. I mean, seeing how Russia did it, it's not like there would have been another laboratory room right. on the other side for Americans to do it as well. So I don't, I don't know how you, they needed that little extra room off to the side. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course I know. Of course I know about that extra room. Yeah. But with this document and the expose and with the public sentiment out there, I don't see how we could be doing it and getting away with it. I, 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 it to me, it just feels like uh, even other countries, maybe not just America, but even like, you know, you've seen Bolt. I, there's been accusations of him doping and it's like man i i don't see how he couldn't be doping he's he's so incredibly fast and he's he's steps and leaps faster than the next closest guy i know I and know. that's to me that just feels like how do you, how's that happening it's not just genetics because genetics i mean you might well, he's be sh- black blacks run fast i love you <laughs> but uh how do you, man, fucking, that's that's a hell of a documentary right there. What yeah. are your thoughts? I like this movie a lot. I love the um, everything about it. I like the animation. I thought the graphics were spot on. Yeah, it explained to us this, this labyrinth, this complication of how it was done and the shifting of the bottles. I like the the music. I like the way it was shot. Do you think the movie was too long? It was maybe over a two hours. Bit. I'm going to recommend they take out 12 minutes. Yeah, because at one point it was getting a little bit repeti- I like the movie a lot, but a little bit repetitious. Like, okay, we get it already. Yeah, and I did have that feeling. A documentary slightly over two hours a little bit on the long side but I think but it was still compelling as hell I've heard you say that that phrase about movies a lot which is okay we get it already you say that a lot I do, and I? I think you I think you are a little less patient with films um, but and but I do see what you're saying it was repetitive at parts and I think we did get it but I I don't mind that I don't right. mind continuing to explore an idea that might have already been explored but just kind of it's going in a slightly all part of the journey version. and just to take us through it but I think your your criticism is valid I just I, I think I, I think that you're less patient with films which is not necessarily a bad thing right I, I think I'm maybe overly patient I'm willing to give the film too much uh, room to, to go too long and I think that was even a problem in our film when we were making our film mm-hmm. is that there were certain scenes where I'm like, oh, yeah, let's let this go real long. And you're like, no, dude, let's not. And Good I think we, we made Good some point. choices yeah. uh, to make to satisfy both of us. Yep, yep. Again, we both like this film a lot. It's interesting. You know what bothered me most of all about... The, the doping is... What I found most disturbing about the documentary mm-hmm. was that Putin's uh, involvement, that evidently not only was he aware... Yeah, but he was kind of like a um, he masterminded this whole. Not only did he know of it, he it's almost like yeah, it was he was the head honcho. It seemed to be, and that was the most disturbing part of the whole film. Like he's the premier of the Soviet Union, not only aware of it, but it seems like he was behind this whole thing. I, I'm tempted to use the word he masterminded the whole thing. 
if they didn't mastermind it, very close to masterminding it. You know right. what I'm saying? And that made me feel um, sad and disgusted and angry. I wonder, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the part that, that really disturbed me was that he was using the success of his approval rating after the Sochi Olympics to invade the Ukraine. I know, I know. And where the the Russian whistleblower, his name is Grigory, and Grigory was talking about how he felt guilty of being somewhat responsible for all of this death and destruction in the Ukraine. And I went, that to me... It makes this more important than just a sports documentary. It turns it into something that is truly affecting the the length of life of people. It's no longer about just gold medals or honor. Right. It's now about life and death. And it's interesting you mentioned the head honcho, Dr. Gregory, right? Yeah. That one of my notes is that it seemed like, forgetting about the blood and loss of life, as far as the actual doping scandal, I had a sense that he felt he had no remorse he, it seemed like he didn't feel bad for what he was doing. Really? Did you have that impression at all? You didn't, did you? I just felt like he was a little chaotic. He was a little, I mean, goofball. He weirdy. was goofball with a dog and everything else. There's some, uh, But I felt like there was no way he wasn't uh, contrite. He didn't feel... Do you think he saw the wrong in what he was doing? Just the doping part. Just the doping part. I didn't have that sense that he felt I think bad. he did because otherwise he wouldn't have admitted right, everything. Right, right, right. I mean, I... I, I don't know. Does it matter? I mean, he's he's coming clean now, yep. and he's trying to do what's right. We should say that he's uh, in the United States in a relocation program, changing his identity and living someplace uh, in the United States. Right? Yeah. Right. That's where he is. Um, we should also left mention... Left his family behind. Yeah, his, his wife, his child. That, that was heartbreaking when they were Skyping. and His money, everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Uh, we should say, I was under the impression with the Rio games, that's when all this was really getting a lot of notoriety. Right. I thought all the Olympics, were, all the Russians were barred. I thought so too. Did you? And I was watching this with a friend of mine. I said, you know, no Russian athletes went to Rio. And she said, really? And I was like really proud that I was telling her something. I was wrong. Robert, I was, and you thought the same thing. Yeah, I, I only thought about, I'd never seen a, that. A fra- I don't know if it was like a third or half. They only, I guess, the only the ones who are directly involved with the doping, but the others indeed were allowed to go and compete in Rio. But now I think that the the Russian gov- the Russian uh, Russia was prevented from competing at the 2018 Winter Olympics in a few months or a few weeks. Russia is not allowed to compete at the upcoming Winter Games. That's correct. However, the athletes can compete as. Uh, independence, that's right. and so that might have been what happened at Rio as that's well. That's right. Yeah, is that they're allowed to compete, yeah. but they're not allowed to as compete individuals, for but not under their flag. They, when they win, yeah, their the International Olympic Committee or the their their anthem is played, right, and their points don't go to their country, right? Correct. They're not under their flag. That was it. That was it. So that was interesting about Rio. This was a really well made documentary. Again, yeah. I loved everything about it. Uh, the title we you already knew this, and I had to Google it. And um, pronounce the word for me. Icarus. Icarus. And I thought, what a weird title that is. And, of course, I Googled it last night. And as you know, it's the son of the legend of the person with the artificial wings. Don't get too close to the sun or the wings will melt. Right. But if you go too close to the ocean, uh, you'll, you'll drown. And the ending of that legend is that it does melt and then he drowns in the water. Right. So he gets hit both. And, and that's where they got the title from, from this. It was a really well-made... Again, the graphics were just right. It wasn't overdone either. Yeah. But when we needed the explanation, and you said, again, the heist portion, which is really getting 
fascinating with the different rooms and this whole labyrinth and this maze and how the whole thing was constructed. The documentary did a wonderful job of explaining that to us. And I didn't think at the beginning of the documentary that it would be that kind of documentary to have a lot of graphics. I know. And they saved it, which is really smart because we needed that. We absolutely needed that. It was the last third. To have talking heads describe, oh yeah, next to the room was another room and there was a little... uh, Okay, I'm already lost. You need to... To show us what you're talking about. They show us a little blueprint. They show us some pictures. That's more of what we need. We need those visuals. What was your money shot? Why don't you go first? Do you ever think of a money shot? Why don't you go first? I just want you to go first. <laughs> um, you know, for me, the money shot oddly had nothing to do with the documentary, but it was at the very end. Over the the credit <laughs> crawl, was uh, the it was feathers, and they were melting feathers. And back. it was beautiful. It was really interestingly shot. I I think definitely a money shot would have been the the computer graphics of that heist. That was really really helpful. But the very end credits, for whatever reason, I don't know why that's going to stick with me. But I know it was so beautiful just watching those feathers melt and burn. And, and that feather was in, again referencing the legend, Icarus, yeah. right? Of, right. That's very nice. Yeah. What about you? Well, a lot of this movie was talking heads or graphics, so it, it was a little more difficult to come up with that money shot. There was a moment in the last third of the film when, for a while, it did look like all of Russia was going to be barred from Rio. Yeah. That was the impression for a while until they finally changed their mind and decided to let... And there was a, uh, a female gymnast... And it was a press conference, and she was crying, because she, and she was not doping. Yeah. She was not doping, and they wouldn't let her compete in Rio. And um, I Well, just she remember, said she wasn't doping. Yeah. And you kind of who, wonder... Who knows yeah, whether yeah. she was or not. The pathos of that scene, that here... And let's just give her the benefit of the doubt and assume she was not doping. Yeah. That here, they're all being punished for something that she did not do, hopefully. That's going to be my reality. And that was a very tender scene, showing the, the tears and everything that wouldn't let her compete. And do you remember the end of that scene? It cut to Putin standing there watching her. Yes. And that was super creepy too. Yes. And that to Actually, me stood that's out. the money shot. Yeah. Let's go with Putin's expression. His body language, his facial... What? I don't know. He's... he's Because I've heard this a lot. About Russia doping, Russia doping. They're not allowed... But this documentary, man, it nails it home. Like, he's evil. Well, I don't know. That's how I, it appears. That's certainly how it That's how it appears painted. in the documentary. Yeah. Good film. Free on Netflix, streaming. Watch it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what would you give this movie? A. A? Minus. A. I think I'd give it an minus. A minus. A minus. Yeah, I'd give it an A minus. So your A, is, which is minus. also A plus. No, I did research. I wasn't even going to bring this up. Since you broached this, are you ready? Uh, I Googled go. it. Yeah. It's a contested issue. It is. Oh, and yeah. universities are actually... on this on this on podcast. This, yes. And I was brought up that, as for our listeners who maybe didn't listen to the previous podcast, uh, that you can't do any better than an A. An A plus is silly. And there's one example here. If you have a GPA of 4.0, mm-hmm. it's an A. They don't call that an A plus. Yeah. They don't. And that lends credibility to my point of view. I want to say that some universities do A pluses and some don't. I know, when I got my grad degree, they did not do right, A pluses. Right, So I was always brought up that A, but I know that we've gone back and forth on this one. But um, And then I never got an A plus in my undergrad, so I don't think well, I... Oh, because you weren't smart enough. <laughs> I know, right. So it's a, it's a contested issue. It is. So, so whose standard do we use? Do we use Harvard well, standard? And that you're right. A lot of the Ivy League colleges, and they disagree on this. So it's interesting. We, we touched on this topic that's more controversial. Or we realize. could use the Brown scale of just pass-fail. 
that kind of takes the fun out of it. Oh, the okay. pass fail. Should we go back to stars? Should we go back to? Well, often we take the element. Oh, I know. It should be how many syringes. I think we take an I element think our of the scale film. is just that you don't do A pluses. I do A pluses. Well, yeah, but we have to be consistent, Robert. If we're both, I'll doing be consistent. Together. I'll give A pluses. <laughs> All right. So I think we're both saying A minus on this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely worth watching. All right. Cool. Let's do some top five, shall we? Yeah. Hit it, Vern. Okay, Vern. And now, wipe off that frown as we present our countdown. We ain't joshing, and this ain't no jive. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right. So, top five sports documentaries. I hate sports. Are we going to overlap? I always ask that question, and you're taking that question away from me. No. I don't think we will. I don't think we will. Now, here's – got to tell you, before we get into some of this, uh, there's some documentaries that I would love to have put on this list. I love sports documentaries, and uh, some of them I've already talked about. Undefeated I talked about a few weeks ago, which is a fantastic documentary and would probably be my number one on this list. But – uh, a, I've already talked about it, and B, I want to use this top five to talk about a few documentaries that probably don't get enough light nice. shed on them. So while I'm sure Hoop Dreams will probably be on your list, it's not going to be on mine. No, I never saw Hoop Dreams, you which didn't? brings up an interesting question that you and I bantered about the other night. Oh? Must we have seen these films in order to be on our top five? I don't, I don't know. I think maybe you could argue that's a, a top five movie, but you haven't seen it. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we jump off it. <laughs> All right, do you want to go first or do you want me to? You go first. All right, my first movie. All right, number five. My first movie is a movie from, uh, I believe it was 2010, and it's a movie I, I doubt you've seen, but you should probably check it out. The premise is great. The movie is maybe not the best movie. Uh, not the. I mean, there's so many excellent um, sports documentaries out there. It's not bad. It's a, definitely a good movie, uh, but it it's maybe a B plus. Uh, so there's better sports documentaries, but the premise is fantastic. This movie is called Quantum Hoops. Have you heard of Quantum Hoops? No. MIT, no, I'm sorry, Caltech has a basketball team. And it is the losingest basketball team of all time. Because it's all nerds, nerds. that go to that school. Yeah. Nobody fucking plays basketball. So the few people who do play basketball, they just get stomped by everybody else. And it's basically about this team that has lost and lost and lost for, I can't remember the length of time, but it's basically they cannot win. And this documentary follows the team as they're trying to win. And in a weird sort of way, it poses this strange question of, do you try to keep the streak alive of losing? Or do you try to win? Do you know what I mean? Of course I do. Yeah. It's such a dishonorable streak, but at the same time, that's really your only claim to fame. It's like Susan Lucci never winning an Emmy for the soap opera. I'm serious. Yeah. And it went on for years and years and years and years and it was an ongoing shtick. But when she finally did win, it kind of took all the fun out of it. Yeah. No, it, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very emotional, but still, like, right. they, they ended something that was um, playful. Yeah. You so know, check that so movie out if you get it. That's really interesting. Quantum Hoops. Quantum Hoops. Yeah. Good name. Yeah. Quantum Mechanics. Because these are nerd scientists. You got it. Yeah, I got it. What's your number five? My number five is On Any Sunday. By the way, I went with the premise that I had to have seen these documentaries. Wait, on on any given Sunday? No, 
No, on not any Sunday. We need we need producer Joey here. It's called not not the word given. Okay. It's on any Sunday, and this is um, another Bruce Brown, but it's motorcycles. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it is called okay. on any Sunday, uh, nineteen seventy one, and again Bruce Brown, Brown who passed away this um, this week, and uh, Steve McQueen is in it. In fact, his company, Solaris, uh, produced it. He put up some of the funding to make this. But uh, a really good documentary, saw it in the theater when it first came out, called On Any Sunday About Motorcycles, 1971. All right. My number four is a 2014 2014 movie called The Barkley Marathons. Uh, This is another really, really great one. Okay, so I'm from East Tennessee originally. And in East Tennessee, you may not know this, but James Earl Ray, who shot... Uh, uh, Martin Luther King. Luther King right. He was jailed in East Tennessee, and at one point he broke out of prison. Do you know about this? No. He broke out of Brushy State Mountain Prison, and uh, he escaped in the. It, it's all mountain territory back there. I, I know it very well because it's not that far away from where I grew up, and it's really thick forest. And he was running and running and running, and then they found him. After that, they started. This guy started hosting a marathon, a series of marathons, and it's incredibly difficult to even be entered in the marathons. You have to. There's no online registration. You have to know somebody, and you have to bring like a license plate from your home state. And there's all these like weird, quirky things that you have to do to even get entered. And they only take, I think, 50 people every year. And here's what you do: it's an endurance marathon. You have to run. It's a circle. And you have to run uh, in, in this, you have to run 26 miles in a circle, and then you get to rest for a little bit, and then you run the whole circle backwards. backwards. As, you're not running backwards, but you go right, the course right. backwards. Then you do it again forwards, then you do it again backwards, and then you get to choose which way you want to go. So you run five right. marathons, but it's all through this forest, and what what you do is they uh, they give you a number and they have these little books placed along the way to make sure that you're actually running the race, and they'll say, "All right, you're number 17," and when you get to these books, it'll be I don't know some book like uh, uh, what's what's a famous book, Lord of the Flies or something like that. And when you get there, you have to tear out page 17 to prove that you that they tell you, you actually the page went when there. you're at that spot, right? To so that, that way they really verify, right, right, right? All right, you did it, right? And you have to bring back all these pages. And you run five marathons over the course of uh, so many days. Only 10 people have ever even completed it. And uh, the first person completed it not that long ago. Where do they do this? In, in, in East Tennessee. What's the name of this documentary? Again? It's called The Barkley Marathons. Wow. And you just see these people that are, they're gassed. They're just, I, I cannot move anymore. Forward, backward, forward, backward, and then and your, choice. your choice. The fifth one. And there's all sorts of like weird, quirky things along the way that they do that make it even more difficult. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is already hard enough. And you're running at night, you're running at day, and it's like you, you have to run constantly. That's really interesting. It's a really interesting documentary. All right, what do you got? What's your number four? Wow, that's great, Robert. My number four is a documentary you are intimately familiar with. 2008 documentary. I know what you're going to say. Of course. Man on wire. Now, here's my question. Is walking a tightrope a sport? I love this. And I'm... I don't think so. Oh, I do. I knew you were going to say that. I I I had a feeling you were going to put this on your list. I knew... I knew... Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? A tightrope walker is a hobby? It's not a hobby. It's a sport activity. Is it physical? 
let's wiggle out of this one, Robert. I think it's physical. It involves dexterity. It involves coordination. Okay, but let me point out, <laughs> I, as I was going through some of these documentaries, I I almost pulled a documentary called, uh, oh, hold on, I got it down here on my little uh, list, uh, One Day in September. Did you ever see that documentary? No. <clears throat> it was about the um, the Olympics, <coughs> the 1972 Olympics, where the Israeli team got uh, kidnapped. You, you remember sure. about this, right? Munich. Munich. And... It was all about that. And I said, you know, that is a sports documentary, but it's not really about sports. It's about the terrorist act that happened at the Olympics. Sorry. I think this movie, Man on Wire, is not really about tightropes walking so much as it is about the heist. It's about the sneaking. It's about the Well, I want to suggest to you that any good (laughs) documentary about sports is really about the person. It goes on to the personal level where we learn about the person. Anyway, that's my number four. It was hard for me to come up with my five, so just back off. Man. Right, you keep on coughing while I talk. All right. We should explain. Man on Wire was um, about a, the Frenchman, Philippe. Uh, Petit. Philippe, yeah, Petit. And he walked uh, the, the Twin Towers, Tower 1 to Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. And, um, and Robert happened to do a dramatic monologue from this documentary, Man on Wire third place in the United States and um, it was a really well thought out and like you mentioned the word heist earlier for the film that we critiqued that it does involve like the heist and showing with the ropes and the pulleys now the whole thing happened and the walk itself and then the aftermath it was a very well constructed documentary and the reason it's called I love this not man on a wire is because the, uh, the I believe the officer who wrote a citation was so upset when because what they did was illegal and he scrawled on the ticket man on wire is yeah. that true yeah. that's why they decided to call the documentary man on wire it's a sports film <clears throat> that's my number four what I will tell you is that it's a fantastic movie there you go so I will agree with you there and yeah. while we might argue over whether it's yeah. sports or not it's a great one agreed my number three is a documentary that uh, made me cry and I love documentaries that make me cry and I've as I'm getting uh, older I'm starting to realize the documentaries I think make me cry more than uh, more than fiction films much more than fiction films although the fiction films that make me cry are almost always Pixar fuck them anyway <laughs> my number three is a movie from 2010 and it's part of the 30 for 30 series from ESPN it's called Into the Wind this is a documentary about Terry Fox. Do you know Terry Fox? No. He's a Canadian hero, and most Americans aren't as familiar with him, but he uh, lost his leg to cancer and decided that he was going to run across the Canadian border. Do you remember hearing about this? I know about this. I know about this. Go ahead. And he started his run uh, and on the eastern sea, sea board of Canada and basically got to Toronto, and people were like, get the fuck off the road. What are you doing? They were almost running him over. And then he got to Toronto, and there was huge support. And after that, people started running with him, and everyone was cheering him on. And he got about halfway done, and then his cancer came back, and he had to stop. And he went, you know, took care of the cancer, came back, tried to run a little bit more, and then basically cancer came back so much they couldn't continue, and he died. He never finished his run. And it's a phenomenal story of this guy that has one leg, that he's basically running this entire length of Canada. And it... You just see the determination. He's trying to raise awareness, and he's successful in raising this awareness about cancer research and stuff like that. And it's fucking amazing. Wow. Powerful, powerful uh, documentary. It's a great one. 
I, I do know the name now. I know yeah. who he is. Yeah, it's following and, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's a household name, but what he did and, and just the determination was really, really interesting to me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My number three? Yeah. What's the primary movie we critiqued today? Icarus. That's my number three. That's your number three? It is. You can't it even is. say the okay. title. Okay, all right. Yeah, I want to hear how you pronounce it. Again, not to be redundant, but I like the film a lot, and I am putting it in my top five sports documentaries. Plus, I had trouble with coming up with my own fifth. Uh, I so see. I but no, it's legitimate. It's a legitimate choice on my part. That's my number three. All right. Um, what's you're, it about? you number two. <laughs> what? What's it about? <laughs> um, my back. number two is a movie... Called, from 2006 called Deep Water. Have you heard of Deep Water? I have. I have. Have you seen it? No, but I'm aware of it. Did I talk about it on this podcast or where do we hear about it? You might have, but that's okay. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, 19, in, okay, the documentary is about in 1969, this guy named Donald Crowhurst, he enters this race of, uh, it's basically the first solo sailboat a trip around the world. And the rules of the race are you leave out of England, you sail all the way around the world, and you cannot dock anywhere. And you, it's only you on the boat the entire time. And there's two awards. There's an award for the first one back, but the real prestigious award is for the shortest time. Crowhurst gets into this financial situation where he can't fund his boat uh, by himself, so he gets this loan for the, the boat and the only deal is that uh, it's not a loan it's basically somebody gives him the money but the deal is he can't he can't quit he has to do it because the the guy who gave him all this money was basically like you're gonna, I'm going to give you all this money and you're never going to do it so you have to do it you have to compete you have to go otherwise you're on the hook for all this money so he sets out and the boat already has problems it's leaking and he knows once he gets around uh, the tip of Africa then he's going to have He's going to hit major storms, and he's probably going to die. So <clears throat> what he does is he fakes his own radio uh, disappearance. So he basically turns off his radio, and he acts as if he's dead. And he just kind of sails around between South America and Africa, where the seas are calmer. And he even docks. He breaks the rules, everything. And, uh, and then he comes back. Uh, you know, He waits for the other competitors to come back up. And, uh, and and catch up with him, and they do, and then he kind of flips his radio on, and his idea here is like, I'll come in third or fourth, and no one will ask any questions because I won't, I won't win, because he just didn't want to have to pay the money back. But then at the very last minute, people start quitting the race, and their boats start sinking, and all of a sudden it looks like he's gonna win, and this dude is in deep water, he's fucked. You told me this story. It's a fantastic. We, we talked about this. That's. It's great. That's it's a, such an interesting story of this guy who's like, I don't want to win because if I win, if I win, I'm caught cheating here, and everyone's gonna know I I lied. But if I come in third or fourth, it's fine. And uh, the ending to the, the documentary is really interesting, and I won't spoil that. Uh, yeah. One for so you. what? All right. You'll have to watch it, but wait, it's you're really to, interesting. Wait, excuse me. You're willing to spoil Star Wars? Yeah, because that's fantasy. This is reality. Go watch <laughs> the, the way, movie. I love the way you said that. Yeah. That's fantasy. This is reality. Yeah. Go watch the movie. Fuck you. Fuck you. What's your number two? A little bit of minor cheating because I've spoken about this film before. Ah. But I'm going to do it again. So let me slip by, um, and I am going to mention for my number two. The Endless Summer. The Endless Summer? Absolutely. I know you we like spoke that about movie? It. 
<laughs> Bruce Baum passed away this week. 1966. I remember seeing it in the theater with, with Kathy Solomon, and she even commented to me that she liked his voice. He narrated it with, with, with a warmth and an enthusiasm. Yeah. He had such a childlike enthusiasm about finding this perfect wave. I did research on it last night. You know, it was shot on a... Um, on a uh, Bolex. 16 millimeter, right? That he wound up. Robert, he had to wind it. He had to wind it up as he was shooting this thing. Uh, More research on this. He couldn't get a distributor. Robert, he showed this film, rented a theater, and he actually, it was no soundtrack. They didn't have any music yet. He couldn't afford it. He had people doing, he had an orchestra playing music, um, Beach Boy music, as people went to see this film with live music of playing the Beach Boy surf music. That's great. Isn't that great? I didn't know that. Isn't that great? Then when they got the distribution deal, he was able to get that incredible... Okay, mm-hmm. don't ask me to do that and again. And that's why they kept reusing it over and over well, and over again. Well, that's going to afford was that one song. It's just, we've spoken about the movie a lot. That's my second favorite sports documentary, The Endless Summer, Bruce Brown. It's a good one. Thank you. All right, my number one is a movie I'm betting no one... On this podcast, other than myself, which would be you, <laughs> or anyone listening has seen, but it's a great one. It's a fantastic documentary. It's from 2003 called The Other Final. Never heard of it. I only know it because I went to Australia. While I was happy to be there, the Brisbane International Film Festival was going on. That festival is not even around anymore, but they had this movie called The Other Final. I was like, all right, I'll check that out. And it's a great documentary about the World Cup. And what happened was this... Uh, film crew was basically, I think they were German, and they were following Germany, and all right, Germany's going to make it in the, in the World Cup, we're going to follow them, we're going to do this whole documentary about them, but the German team didn't make the cut. And so now you've got this film crew that has this budget and everything else, and they're going, we have no, we have no soccer team to film. So they're going, what the fuck do we do? And they said, wait a minute, who were the other teams that were listed, and who were the worst teams? And so they went down the list of FIFA rankings and of all the countries in the world, and they took the two world's worst teams. And uh, I, th- I think I've got it here. I'll have to look it up. But they basically took the two world's worst teams. One is from this island nation in the Caribbean, and the other is from uh, a, a tiny little country near Tibet. And they basically say, all right, you're the two world's worst teams. Let's have another final, the final of the world's worst teams. While the World Cup is going on, you two will play each other. And it's this great merging of cultures and you've got these, you know, these like these black guys from the Caribbean and their country's theme song is hot hot hot, you know, and they're they're always singing that and they're huge giant guys and they're playing these like little Asian men and no one is good. The field conditions are awful. There's giant puddles, there's like dogs roaming the field and stuff while they're trying to play this international game and they have so much fun celebrating each other it's a it's such a heartwarming beautiful great good documentary it's really uplifting it's called the other final the other final it's great check it out and the way that the film is shot is really clever because they'll do they they know how to make these talking heads um come alive they'll uh, one will be saying something and then they'll throw a, a soccer ball and then they'll interview the president of another country on another continent and then his interview will start by him catching that same soccer ball and they use this soccer ball throughout as a a lame motif throughout the entire film it's really really well done it's really interesting documentary check it out the other final really nice robert my number one yeah i think you're gonna be 
impressed. All right. It's something that's going to surprise you a little bit. It's an actual sports documentary. Okay. One I have not mentioned before. And we, you and I have spoken before about the Olympics. And when 84, uh, in 1984, when LA hosted, it was a magical two weeks. There's a documentary called 16 Days of Glory. You're not familiar with it. I don't know it. I love this. Robert, I'm turning you on to something you're not familiar with. It's rare, believe me, when that happens. Uh, Bud Greenspan, do you know that name? Yeah, yeah. He's He's made a lot of terrific sports documentaries. And it was made in 1986. It was exclusive on HBO before it went more huh. worldwide, all about the summer games in L.A. and with Mary Lou Retton and Greg Louganis and all this. And it was a wonderful documentary. And again, I was here then and so proud and everybody was concerned about LA. Are we ready to host? And it was a magical, magical two weeks. It's an incredible documentary about the games and about the personal stories that goes on. I highly recommend Bud Greenspan's uh, 16 Days of Glory. Do you think that we're going to be ready for the 2028 Olympics? Yeah, I, I, somehow I think we're going to pull... Normally I would say no, but I was so impressed with what happened in 84. And people were concerned about the traffic. They were concerned about the gang stuff that was going on. But there was no traffic on the 405. And I went to the opening ceremonies. I went to the closing ceremonies. I was there when Mary Lou Retton got the perfect score. Oh, wow. That was an incredible moment. Incredible moment when she got, she got a 10. And that was unheard of. And everyone was cheering for her to do it again because she, yeah. she was allowed to do it twice. She did it again, yes. right? And she, she got turned, another 10. And she turned to her coach. And the coach, she, everyone was screaming, again, again. She got a 10. No one ever gets a 10. You get 9.7, not a 10. And the coach did this wonderful gesture like, holding his, like it's up to you. Yeah. You've got the 10. They'll take your highest score of the two. If you don't do it, you'll be letting the crowds down. If you do do it, it's not a 10. It's anticlimactic, even though you get the 10. Yeah. So there's that wonderful, and she did it a second time, got a 10. She got two perfect scores. Everyone was going crazy. And of course, that's in the documentary. It was a magical two weeks. Just so proud of the city with what they did. They, As you well know, they didn't build facilities. They used, used SC, USC and UCLA as the Olympic Village. There were two Olympic Villages. Uh, some of the events were a little bit of a drive away, like the rapids or the, the bicycle drone where they did all that. But it was all existing structures and it made money because of the advertising, the putting Coca-Cola's logo on buildings and so on, that it actually made money. And at that time, there was a lot of issues about with what was going on with the, the, the Crips and all that with the gang activities. They actually... Do you I'm know sorry, the story? what? The Crips. How do you say it? The, the cri- Crips yeah, and Crips, the, 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 the The dudes down in South Central. <laughs> do you know that the police went down and talked to them? I might have told you this and no. said, the world is going to be watching our city for two weeks. Can you guys just stop it for two weeks? And they did. Isn't that incredible? Because they said, we want to look good. We're all part of Los Angeles. And they cooled it. They cooled it. Isn't that amazing? Wow. They sent police chiefs to go down and say, we're asking that you be cool for two weeks. We want LA to look good and be proud of who we are. And that made sense. And there was no, and there was no traffic. The 405, I've never seen it that way. It was a magical two weeks. So proud of it. They put up banners along Wilshire and Olympic. And as you know, that's why Olympic Boulevard is called Olympic Boulevard. It's the ten- well, that's not from the that Navy. That was the 32, right? right? The right. 32 games. Uh, they spruced up the Coliseum and gave it a coat of paint. And um, and well, we, we hosted the world for two weeks. I'm sure we'll fuck it up in 10 years. Ah, <laughs> that's my number one. 16 Days of Glory. I have some scoops of ice cream. Do I, you? I doubt you do, right? <laughs> I was lucky enough to come up with my five. Right. It's Actually, funny. I do have one. But yeah. you picked this topic. I didn't pick sports I know. documentaries. And as you the liked top it. Five. I thought, oh fuck. 
Now what do I do? Pick something better. Yeah, pick something better. Uh, what do you want to do? Your scoop of ice cream. Mine are going to be real minor, and I just want to say that I, again. My premise was I had to have seen this film. I was always curious about that uh, Dogtown with ZZ Boy. You know, in the Dogtown and Z Boys. Yeah, Z Boys, whatever. And using their neighbor's empty pool yeah. to do the skateboarding thing. I've never seen it. It's a really good. Documentary. I know. It's really I know, good. and I need to see that. Another film that is not about sports, but it's about music, and even I couldn't stretch it that much. Are you familiar with a documentary called The? Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Do you know about that? Well, about how does that do with sports? No, absolutely nothing. But I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Even I wasn't trying to pitch that one to you. But it was background musicians in the studios yeah. who did that, and they're they're like the unsung heroes in the background of the Beach Boys and all these great hits. And they are the un- what's so We're funny? Just talking about documentaries <laughs> care? now. So what? I was. You're lucky. I came up with my five. So just back off. It's it is a great documentary. But no, I don't have any other scoops of ice cream. And one of the two I just mentioned shouldn't even count anyway. I'm done. What are your scoops? Um, uh, bigger, faster, stronger is a great one. If you like Icarix, if you like uh, movies about uh, steroid use, that's a really great documentary that really kind of shows both sides of the spectrum and why it might be uh, okay to use steroids. And it, it's really? really interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm hey, from, Robert. Yeah, what is a steroid? Well, it's a growth. It's like a hormone. It, it like helps your helps your body grow m- muscle faster it's not organic in us is it is it artificial it's it is organic in us but it's an it's a chemical that helps your body grow more of what it does naturally where do they take it do they take it out of your own body or do they get it from where's the source well there's different chemicals that can do it is that question i mean i I don't know all the chemistry behind it but that's what it's doing is it's helping your body repair muscle faster and and it also uh, it has to do with blood exchange too. I know because you can breathe better. Like your the blood exchange in your lungs, um, it it transfers carbon dioxide and blood faster. Better. If I shoot up some steroids tonight, next time you see me, I'll be like Arnold. No, you would still have to work out. But oh, if you work fuck out, that. but you would get better results from your right, workouts. Right. Right. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Um, also, a movie I'm going to say, and I'm, I bet you're going to be pissed you didn't have it on your top five. Is it a movie I'm familiar with? I bet. I think so. Do you think it's one I've seen? I, I think so. And it's a sports documentary? Mm-hmm. And I didn't put it in my top five? Mm-hmm. I'm curious now. I'm from Hollywood. Oh. The Andy Kaufman wrestling documentary. Oh, my God. And, man, that's a good documentary. Yeah, that's sports all right. Yeah. That's sports all right. Wow. 2008's Tyson, a phenomenal documentary. Uh, I'd heard a story about them that they, uh, they when they finished editing it, they said, okay, who's the, who's the audience that would least want to watch this film? And they said, white women. And they said, all right, let's bring in like white women. And they had white women watch the film and they would play the first five minutes of the movie. And then they would stop the movie and say, you can either watch the film now or we'll pay you $100. And not one woman took the $100. Oh. Every single woman was like, I want to finish this. Wow. Wow. That's a great story. Uh, and also, uh, I also have the Ken Burns baseball documentary series. It's a great series. It's a lot of hours of baseball, but it really is very thorough. It takes you all the way through the entire background of baseball. And a great movie uh, that I'm not sure if you know the story or not. There's a book called Go Like Hell that talks about it uh, in the book. But there's also a documentary that came out recently uh, Adam Carolla did it. It was called The 24-Hour War. And it's about how um, Ferrari tried to sell the name Ferrari to Ford, Henry Ford III. And he, uh, at the last minute, reneged on the deal. And Ford got pissed. This is the 1960s. 
And he basically said, all right, he went back to the Ford company and said, do whatever it takes, but we're going to beat Ferrari at Le Mans, the 24-hour race of Le Mans. And they hired Carroll Shelby. They threw all this money into developing the GT40, and they basically came back and destroyed Ferrari at the wow. most prestigious race. And he was just so pissed. And then they, uh, I think they won for three years in a row, and then they just stopped. Ford was like, all right, we're not doing it anymore. And then they came back 50 years later, and they said, ah, we'll do it again just to show you that we can. And then they won, and then like, ah, we're done. Ah, wait, car racing is a sport. Oh, for sure. Wait, I could have Le Mans. That's yeah. Steve McQueen documentary. Yeah. Okay, well, that it, case I'd like to substitute. <laughs> Le Mans is a good documentary as well. Sort of. I it, like oh, it. Yeah, it had a lot of, yeah, there were a lot of it. Well, well you didn't like it? The whole back, I, I did like it. But um, there's quite a backstory with that, with the, um, what's it, John Sturgis, yeah. who was supposed, you know all that. Yeah. And McQueen fired John Sturgis, who directed him in The Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. So there was a love-hate thing with that. And the whole thing was to, um, to beat um, um, Grand, Grand, Grand Prix with James Grand Garner. Prix. There was that huge conflict between these two macho movie actors but yeah. it was it was a good movie but it was it was troubled production that's what i'm trying to say yeah it was a troubled production but there was a documentary about the movie yes yeah and i've seen that yeah mcqueen the man myth Le Mans, something like that. something like that yeah. and by the way when we say steve mcqueen we're not talking about the black director why would we talk about black people <laughs> all right yeah we did it Woo. This was a good one. This was a good this one. This was fun. All right. I think it's yeah. going to be a long one, but there I you go. So. Did we go over two hours? I don't know. We'll oh, figure it out later. Yeah, All right. Yeah. But in the meantime. I got to take a shower. Where's our my, Where's my bath? Where's my toy ducky? <laughs> we'll start up the bath. Yeah. Get the hot water going. If you uh, if you have a problem with our top five, if you have, I mean, there's going to be so many people that are going to write in about sports documentaries. There's so many great sports documentaries yeah. that, uh, that I'm sure people are going to yeah, have. I'm saying, yeah, like I know. <laughs> Ira has seen two of them and lied about the other three. But anyway. No, I did the best I could with my If five. you have uh, documentaries that you would like to submit to us, then please do so. You can write to us at robert at antiwavepodcast.com or. And slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Yeah. Or you can check us out on Instagram, which is at antiwavepod or, I'm sorry, uh, Twitter, which is at antiwavepod. Right. We're all over the place, aren't we? Right? We are. You know, you, you can find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Just go to our website. Yeah. And also be sure to tell a friend. Let them know about the podcast. Also let them know about the film 30 Love, which is our oh, film. Oh, that's right. And, Where is uh, it? It's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Also yeah. on YouTube Rentals. That's correct. It's going to be coming out on iTunes on January 9th. How about that? There. And, How about uh, that? And DVDs and Blu-rays should be sale for sale Pretty soon. soon. Yeah. Coming. All right. Good. So Good. we'll let you know more about that. Anything else? I think that's it, right? Get that water going. I can't wait for my bath. All right, we'll start running the bath. And so until next time, keep watching movies. We'll help you sort them out. No, you'll help us sort them out. No, we, we, we. We'll help. Luke dies.